0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. And uh, we're so honored to be here with you. We came from Boise, Idaho. We're there for uh, almost 17 years. My wife was there her whole 24 years of living for, for the most part. Slow crowd this service. And uh, we, we just moved down here May of last year. It's kind of a, about a 10-year in the, in the making journey. My wife and I got married in 2005. And when we got married, she said, Mark, two things we never want to do. We never want to start a church, and we never want to be lead pastors. But how many know if you want to make God laugh? You tell him your plans. And so lo and behold, God, about 2008, dropped a bomb on us that we would start a church one day. Told us where in 2010 and gave us all, a lot of the details in 2012, and we just waited on the right timing. If you're taking notes today, you can write this down. Timing is as important as what you do. Come on, to be too early is to be late. And it's it's the wrong time when you show up too early. And I think that God's will always works within the confines of God's timing. And I'm going to talk about an important point in time today called Palm Sunday. And I actually believe that Palm Sunday is one of the most Uh, one of the most important, it's the beginning of the most important week of the life of the most important life that's ever lived. It's interesting because all four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by the way, if you're new to the reading Bible, maybe you're new to Christianity and you've ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first time I read it, I'm like, why are they crucifying Jesus again? I didn't know why. It was like deja vu. I'm like, this happened before. I've read this somewhere. I had no idea it was four different individuals that witnessed the same thing, and they all wrote their personal stories of how it happened. And so all throughout the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all wrote about the final week of Jesus' life. Incidentally, there's 260 chapters in the New Testament, 89 of which are actually written Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is interesting. Out of the 89 chapters in the Gospels, uh, let's see here four chapters out of the 89 was written about the first 30 years of the most important life that ever lived, Jesus. Only four chapters out of 89 about the first, uh, the first 30 years. And then there was 85 chapters that focused on literally the last three and a half years of Jesus' life. The really interesting part is, is that out of the 85, 29 chapters were dedicated to the last seven days. And it's interesting that all four authors decided this is so important that actually, you know, Matthew's account, uh, he writes two-fifths of his book is about the last week of Jesus' life. Mark, three-fifths of his book is about the last week of Jesus' life. Luke, it's one-third. And John, it's literally about half of his entire book. So we're going to go to John chapter 12, which is about the middle of the book of John. It's 21 chapters in John, 1,189 chapters in the Bible, 260 in the New Testament. You ready to go? Bible trivia. Come on, who's ready? Awesome. I uh, I love this passage. We're going to read today. I want to talk to you. If you're new to our community, I, every week I go to the Bible. Uh, I read out of the Bible. I read twelve verses out of the twelfth chapter of the Book of John. After I read, I'm going to pray. After I pray, I'm going to tell a couple stories, maybe even a couple jokes. If you're kind this morning, you'll laugh. If you're not, we'll community. I'm just kidding. We'll keep going. Just kidding. We're going we're gonna to have a good time today. Uh, if you like boring churches, you're in the wrong church. If you like mean churches, you're in the wrong church. If you, if you feel more spiritual when you have an angry pe- preacher yelling at you, you're in the wrong church. Uh, I believe that the Bible was not pinned to tell us how screwed up we are. We already knew that. I believe the Bible was written to tell us, because of who Jesus is, how right we can be with God. And so today, John chapter 12, Read twelve verses. I want to talk to you today about uh, my title for you today is "viral good news." Viral good news. I made the observation last service that if you could listen to old messages today, which we can, uh, it's interesting they give current events in their messages, and you're like, "Wow!" I remember I was listening to one preacher talk about the new internet device, and I'm like, "Man, that's old news." And it can kind of date. I thought it'd be interesting. Wouldn't it be crazy if you could listen to a future message today? I thought, man, how weird would that be? If today, someone in the 1800s or the early 1900s, I dare say someone in the 80s, would listen about a viral good news, they would probably think it has something to do with your your body or some sort of virus in your body. Viral is a new terminology. It's a new colloquialism. And I believe that this morning, as we talk about viral good news, I want to talk to you today about what made Palm Sunday so special. What made Palm Sunday so special? You ready to go? Are you guys okay today? Are you happy? Come on, tell your face you're happy this morning. Come on, I'm happy. We're good. All right, John chapter 12. We're going to have a good time together today. It says this in verse 1. I'm going to read two verses in the beginning, and then we'll jump to verse 9. Verse 1, chapter 12. Then, six days. How many days? Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus... Who had been dead. Whom he raised from the dead. They, they met with him. And there they made a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took some really expensive uh, perfume. Anointed the feet of Jesus. Wiped his, his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Let's, let's scoot up to verse nine. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that Jesus was there, and they came not only for the sake of Jesus only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had risen from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death again. This is how crazy religion is! Because on account of him, many people, Jews, went away and believed in Jesus. The next day, here's the beginning of the triumphant entry, a great multitude, someone say multitude. There was no attendance issues in the Bible. A great multitude had come to the feast, and when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches and palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, well, they say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus when, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written in Zechariah 9-9, Fear not, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples, who are we talking about? Did not understand these things at first. How many been there before? You don't understand what's going on. Not sure what's happening, Lord, but I trust you. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered these things, that they were written about him, and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, their eyewitnesses, when he was raised from the dead, bore witness. Verse 18, for this reason, because the eyewitnesses, other people came because they heard about the eyewitnesses' account of what had been done and what they, the sign that happened. And finally, verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the entire world has gone after Jesus. I love the way that closes there, that the religious sector is just freaking out. They're having a nervous breakdown, that everybody's putting faith in Jesus. And so I want to talk to you today about, about what makes Christianity and Palm Sunday so special. You ready to go? All right, Lord, help us this morning as we open up your book. I pray that we're not here just to have a good old-fashioned Bible study. We're here to experience the God of this Bible. I pray that today, Lord, even as you told me there's going to be people that got physically healed in this service, I pray that healing would break out over this room. I pray that people that have never felt your presence would feel your presence. I pray that those that never sensed your love would sense your love. And those that maybe have never heard your voice or it's been a long time would begin to hear clearly again. We ask that, Lord, in the meantime, that you would help the Golden State Warriors. But I pray that next season, God, the Lakers would come back strong. We pray if you could bring Kevin Durant to the Lakers, we'd appreciate it. In Jesus' name, if you believe it. Come on, someone said amen. Lost some people there. It's okay. I'm going to start praying for some sports fans in this church. So good to be here with you. I, uh, I think it's interesting that we live in an era of really things going viral. Things go viral almost every day. It's funny how fast things can spread nowadays. Uh, if you see a funny video, you share it with a friend. I like going on Facebook. One of my favorite things to do is find these viral weird videos and tag my best friend in Idaho, Shane Grove. And a lot of times on my Facebook page, if you ever say see something about Shane Grove... Uh, if Shane Grove is in the post, it's going to be an obnoxious video to try to bring some sort of embarrassment to my best friends. And I like, I like tagging in these videos. Uh, I've seen all kinds of viral videos. Uh, we know that w- when something goes viral, uh, we know it actually is, it, it literally means the spreading of information or opinions about something or someone from person to person, especially uh, through the Internet. Someone from, uh, excuse me, be something becoming very popular, very popular, circulating very quickly. That's what it means to go viral. Last night, during my study session, I started going down the black hole of viral videos. I wanna warn you, it is a black hole. I tried to find out what the most viral videos were on the earth. Have you ever seen that video? I think the number one viral video on the earth is that video of two little babies, and they're you're, I think they're British little kids, and Charlie, who's saying Charlie, His brother if you haven't 200 million people have you look it up later started watching these viral videos and I started thinking man, it's crazy that Christianity we know every year even people that don't believe in God will walk into church buildings all over the earth next Sunday because of something that happened 2000 years ago it's amazing that after the resurrection of Jesus it says after after three days this guy that we worship came back to life He walked the earth for over a month for 40 days. 500 eyewitnesses witnessed Jesus in the flesh. He had a glorified body, which literally translates, it's almost like someone having sickness or cancer, and people say it's like a form of who he used to be. It's almost like our earthly bodies now are a form of what they will be one day. And Jesus comes back with a resurrected body. He can walk through walls, so when we get to heaven, we can walk through walls. So don't even worry about locking your doors. I'll show up whenever I want. Come on, somebody. And it says that for for, for literally 40 days, 500 eyewitnesses see Jesus. And literally 2,000 years later, we're talking about a guy. We're celebrating a guy that went viral 2,000 years ago. Palm Sunday is the beginning of this viral week. If there were cell phones back in AD 31 and 32, you better believe there would be tons of footage from this particular week. Maybe in all of history, there was never a week that started so high and ended so low and then immediately got even higher. There has never been another window of of history that someone so important came on the scene and changed the narrative of creation. It's interesting that next week I have a great message I want to share with you. But today, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you about why the gospel, the good news, went viral 2,000 years ago, and how it started on Palm Sunday. You see, I believe that Palm Sunday is a spoiler, it's a trailer, for who Jesus was going to be for eternity. I believe that found a microcosm, in, in literally, in John chapter 12, in Luke chapter 19, and, and all these other passages in the, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus comes on the scene, and he does something during the triumphant entry, that actually would set the tone for Christianity for the next several thousand years. So today, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you about how the good news went viral. Are you with me today? It's crazy that the, the, the story picks up that, that there's, he walks into Jerusalem, and there's just massive crowds greeting him. Now, I want you to know the reason why crowds gather is because Jesus, for three and a half years, was doing some of the most obscure, ridiculous unexplainable miracles that have ever been seen with eyes. They saw blind people get vision back, deaf ears open up, dead people come back to life, and the reason is why the big crowd is here is because about two weeks earlier, he got this guy named Lazarus in Bethany, and he called him out of the grave, and there was a crowd of onlookers when Lazarus came out like, like an episode of The Walking Dead, wrapped in mummy clothes, doing the Michael Jackson, come on, he comes out of the grave, People saw it with their own eyes. And literally, they saw a guy that was dead, not for one or two or three days, for four days, come out of the grave. And about a week before that, he was with a really wealthy thug, mafia leader, that worked for the IRS named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus spent one lunch with Jesus, and after lunch, he actually decided to be a 50% giver of all of his money. And he actually returned four times Uh, the amount that he stole from everybody. And everybody knew that, watch this, Jesus wasn't just a friend of sinners. He was a maker of saints. And so he walks into this city of of Bethany, and 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 Lazarus and everyone, they actually say that Lazarus was probably amongst the crowd and the people that witnessed him coming back from the dead. This is the pinnacle point of the ministry of Jesus that he walks in, and guess what? For the very first time in a a three-and-a-half-year ministry, Jesus no longer shushes the crowd when he does something great. I find it very interesting that Jesus always before this, when he did a miracle, he would would heal somebody and he'd say, shh, don't tell anybody, my time hasn't come yet. He'd bring them back, he'd, he'd open up their blind eyes, shh, don't tell anybody, my time hasn't come yet. He would do something significant and awesome and then magnificent and he would say, shh, my time hasn't come yet. But for the first time in Luke chapter 19, All of the Pharisees are yelling at Jesus saying, hey, rebuke the crowd in this city because they're shouting Hosanna. They're shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting that you are the king of Israel. And for the first time in the ministry of Jesus, he says, I can't stop them. He says, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. You see, it was a set time. It was an important moment in time. It wasn't an ordinary day. It was a set day. It says, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it actually says this in Psalms 118. If you want to turn there real fast. It's interesting. And I'll give you a little history here. That what makes Palm Sunday so dynamic. It says in Psalms chapter 118 and verses 24 through 26. It says, this is the day. What day? This is the day. We've all heard it before in church that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. Watch what he goes on to say, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Watch what verse 36 is. It's what we just read in John 12. It literally states, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Do you know that when Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey, that it was actually a fulfillment of a prophecy that was stated 483 years ago? before by the prophet Daniel. It's crazy because there's a really smart guy. His name is St. Robert Anderson. He actually was a detective for Scotland Yard. He was one of the best investigators on the earth. And he dedicated a portion of his life to investigating end-time happenings and, and uh, studying even kind of numerology of the book of Daniel. And what he discovered in his, his, his written literature that's way beyond my IQ is he actually said that it goes back that there was actually a, in, in, in the book of Daniel in chapter two, uh, excuse me, chapter nine, verses 26 and 27, this guy, St. Robert Anderson, says that it, it, it was written about the rebuilding. It was a very specific prophecy. And I want you to grab how powerful the Bible is here. And it actually took place in 483 BC. And Daniel writes that in 483 BC, he says this, or 445 BC, he says in 483 years, there's actually going to be a Savior that comes. He's going to redeem things 483 years after the temple will be rebuilt. The temple wasn't rebuilt yet. And what we find here is he says in, in 483 years, this Savior's going to come on the scene. He's going to redeem Israel, and then he's going to die. He's going to redeem Israel, and he's going to die. And so this guy... He starts studying all the numerology and all these full numbers. And it wasn't, a, uh, it wasn't a regular calendar like today, a Julian calendar. It was actually a linear calendar, not a solar calendar. So they had 360 days, not 365 days. And I won't bore you with all the details. But essentially what he came away with was, is that it, they started rebuilding the temple in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 2. Nehemiah gets permission from King Xerxes to rebuild the ancient ruins. And so he calculated that the day he started rebuilding the temple, if you were to fast forward 483 years, actually on their calendar, it would be 178,000 days, 173,880 days after, watch this, I'll give you aspirin afterwards, I promise, 445 BC, which would land April 6th, A.D. 32, which would be the very day that we just read about in John chapter 12, that Jesus would ride in on the Passover, which ironically was a celebration about when God's judgment came through the land, and the only houses that weren't punished were the ones that had the blood of the perfect lamb. So Jesus comes in 483 years after the rebuilding in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1. And that's why in Psalms 118, the the writer writes, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's not just a generic, well, every day. This is the day the Lord has made. I don't rejoice. I get it. But when he writes that, he's saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on this day. Because he's actually foreshadowing and forecasting. This is the beginning of the turning of events in 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 the history of humanity. Are you following me right now? And I actually believe this all my heart, that many people don't realize that in the ancient world, and I want to give you just a few points today, that many times people don't realize that, that in the ancient world they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have YouTube, they didn't have Instagram, Fox News, or CNN. So the first thing we see here, why would this message go viral? Do you realize that after Jesus came back from the dead, this is crazy, there was 120 people in the corner of Palestine, and in 30 years it went from the corner of Palestine with 120 to affecting the whole known world, and Paul is standing before Caesar in Rome. How could a small little belief system affect the entire population? Literally today, almost 3 billion Christians on the earth. By far the largest population of faith on the earth. Fastest growing population of faith on the earth. Over 33% of our earth's population believe in Jesus. So you would ask, how? With almost 3 billion people, come from 120 people in this upper room. How did it go viral? I believe it went viral because of the trailer, the spoiler, in Palm Sunday, which we read about here. Number one, it went viral because they threw palm branches down. Write this down, palm branches. And I believe that Christianity always goes viral because palm palm branches represent victory. You know why Jesus is so attractive? Because he's a victorious God. I'll say it again. I'll get an amen here. He's a victorious God. Why would 3 billion people put faith in him? Because 2,000 years ago, we hear a story that he actually went to the grave. He actually took captivity captivity captive. He got the keys to death, hell, and Hades. And he actually came back on high, and he resurrected with a glorified body. Why would this go viral, Mark? Because the first thing we got to know about Christianity is, is it's all about the victory of Jesus. You know, in the ancient world, because they didn't have media, you know that you could actually be like, for instance, maybe you lived in under the reign of uh, Marcus Aurelius or Alexander the Great. And maybe you were under some great king that conquered. In the ancient world, do you know that your king could go to battle, win a battle, and you not know about the victory for months, even years at a time? Can you imagine your king going to war for you? And it's interesting because even today we do the same thing. We watch the Chargers, or watch the Lakers, and we associate our victory to their victory. Isn't it funny that you think that you're a great athlete because you're watching great athletes? There's no correlation. I always think it's funny when people yell at the TV, come on, J-Mac, run faster, you know? It's like, I ran with J-Mac, he's way faster than I am. I'm telling you right now, we yell at the TV because, listen to me, we, we are wired this way. Humanity is wired to celebrate the victory of greater people. You know why? Because in the ancient world, watch this with me, that kings would get victory and, and the, the people in the kingdom would only be as happy as the king. So if the king lost, they lost. But if the king won, they won. You know what I believe why we came to Orange County was? Is there's, there's millions of people that live here that don't know about a victory that happened 2,000 years ago. And many people are living absent and ignorant of the idea that Jesus is already victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And if he rose, we rise. Victory, number one. Palm branches. They threw palm branches down. They even threw down their cloaks, which is symbolic of second kings. When King Jehu was was inaugurated as king, they started shouting, he's king, he's king. And they threw down their jackets. So they put palm branches down to represent victory. They put their jackets down to announce a new king. And it goes on that says that he was riding on a donkey. I believe that Christianity went viral, ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus came into the world riding a donkey and not a horse. In the ancient world, what does that mean? In the ancient world, donkeys were animals that represented peace. It's funny because I read a statistic last night that they're, they're like dangerous. <laughs> Actually, this is a true story. I read this that they said that donkeys kill more people than plane accidents. It's a true story. I'm like, man, thank God we don't ride them in America. It's crazy. Donkeys are dangerous. But in this particular story, Jesus comes in riding on a donkey. Why is that important? Because in the ancient world, donkeys were animals that represented peace. So when a king sat on a donkey and rode into a town, that village or the town would know. This king is coming to offer conditions of peace. But if the king came in riding on a horse, he came in to judge or to make war. And it's very important. Why did Christianity spread so fast? Because our king didn't come to make war. He came to make peace. He's actually called the prince of, come on, peace. And many people think, well, Mark, man, Christianity is it's not very peaceful. It is the, it is the most peaceful I think it's interesting that atheists and people that are anti-God, they're trying to push Christianity out of everything. I'm like, why would you push out a belief system that encourages you to be honest? That encourages you to pay your taxes? That encourages you to be nice to your neighbors? We're the, we should be the best neighbors that anyone could ever have. I'd be more opposed to religions that say to do damage and destructive to other people. Come on, somebody. He is the Prince of Peace. And he rides in, watch, on a donkey because he is the God that offers the greatest conditions of peace that eternity has ever experienced. And by the way, these are not temporary attributes, these are eternal attributes. Christianity grew rapidly and it still does because we have a God that is eternally victorious. You know the problem with many of us is, is we gauge our current victory on our current circumstances and not our eternal place in Jesus. When you view this life in the light of the next life, when you know that you have victory there, it actually helps you balance the scales when you're going through difficulty here. So victory is something that caused it to go viral. Number two, I believe it went viral because of peace. And number three, it says that the people shout, are you still with me today? Hosanna. Why did they shout Hosanna? Hosanna literally translates, oh Lord, save or help now. Save or help now. It's actually uh, it, it's it's tied back to Zechariah nine nine. It's an ancient prophecy. So when they started shouting this, they're literally saying as a people group, God, you are the only one that can save or help now. The biggest misunderstanding of uh, Palm Sunday is everybody that was alive there. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the government that day. He didn't come to be a king for twenty or thirty years. He came to be a king that would last forever and ever and ever. And so he comes on the scene and he says, Look, he says, Help. I believe that Christianity goes viral now. Good news goes viral now, like it did then, because we serve it, we have a message that Jesus is the only one that can help us and save us. Do you know the narrative of the entire Bible is that man cannot fix or save himself. You boil every book of the Bible down. The, the general theme is, is there was a divorce in Genesis chapter 3. And literally, the bridegroom lost his wife. And pretty much the entire narrative of the rest of the Bible is how God the Father would send the groom to redeem his wife and to cause an annulment in history that would actually redeem and save the marriage between God's bride and God's groom. I'll preach on that next week. But I'm telling you that many people go, Mark, I don't know, man. You know what the problem is? Is we have no idea that he is the God that literally is the only solution to help us. It says in Psalms 46, 1, that God is our very present help in time of need. You know why I believe Christianity spreads so quickly? Because we serve one of the only deities that says, I want to help you, not because you're good, but because I'm good. All world religions always talk about becoming a better person, you got to earn your way to Allah. you got to earn your way. you got to do this or do that or please this individual or uh, uh, appease this deity. And Jesus comes on the scene and doesn't say, you do this and you get my love. He says, I've already done this, so receive my love. Religion's always trying to get you to fix your way. And incidentally, religion's always trying to get you to change from the outside in. But Jesus never came, because listen to me, religion always tries to get you to change your actions. Jesus came on the scene. He was interested on your inward condition. He says, you guys clean the outside of the cup, but you don't worry about the inside of the cup. Jesus is always interested. That's why he told Samuel, he says, look, you're looking at who looks good on the outside, but I'm God. I look at the inward condition. And that's why many people are destroyed because the light that's on them is brighter than the light that's in them. God wants a life in you to be stronger than the light that's on you. Are you following me today? All right. Number three. The band came up here. I'm going to finish up. I love this. It says that he's our help. And number four, I believe that the reason why why the message of Jesus went viral is because it says in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus, right after these things, he viewed Jerusalem and he actually began to weep because he said that he had compassion on the people. Because they missed their day, their visitation. He said, I can actually read it out of Luke chapter 19 here. I believe that Christianity goes viral when they see a church that has compassion. I think many people mistake Christianity with rules and regulations and judgment and, and conditional love. But I, what I see here is that the reason why it spread from 120 to 3 billion people is because I believe his followers captured a part of who he was that he is compassionate. And if he is compassionate, we should be compassionate. Luke 19, watch what it says here. It says, verse 41, he saw the city and he began to weep over it, saying, if you'd only known, even you especially, in this, your day, this is the day, this is the day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you that your enemies will build an embankment, a around you and surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you, and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon the other, and you did not know the time of your visitation. You didn't know the time of your visitation. I think that's interesting that Jesus, he actually sees, this is 32 AD, 38 years later in 70 AD, literally the Romans would come in, and they would completely annihilate the temple and they would level everything, like he just said right there. And Jesus had a compassion because he knew what would happen to these people because they didn't experience him in the day of their visitation. I think there's so many people that live here in Orange County, 3.2 million people, 3.2 million people. There's actually about that do, that about about 3% of people would go to a church like this church. Most people still think it's all about religious activity, about earning your love, about earning your way to God, about pleasing God. And they have no idea that it is the goodness of God that leads us back to him. We don't enter because we complete a deed. We enter because we confess a need. God, I can't get here by myself. And I'm telling you that the reason why there's power today, like there was power in AD 32, is because he wrote in saying, guys, spoiler alert. Christianity is about victory. Christianity isn't just about victory, it's about peace. Eternal peace. Peace on this side of heaven and peace on the other side of it. And it's not just about peace, it's actually about my my ability to help you when you're going through difficult times. You can't save yourself. Only God can do that. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If humanity's greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent us a singing computer called Adele. Good joke. But because our greatest need was saving, God sent us a savior. And he came on the scene to say, because watch, he is a God who is rich in mercy. Mercy. Everywhere you see love, you see, or excuse me, everywhere you see compassion, it's because Jesus is love. And compassion was the expression of God's love. And it's interesting because wherever you see Jesus having compassion, there is always power, miracles, signs, and wonders. Because compassion always is tied to actions. You know what I want to be? I want to be a community that celebrates the fact that we serve a victorious king. I think, well, I think we should be excited when we sing songs. Some people sing like Jesus is still in the grave. Some people sing like Jesus is kind of good, but not very good. I actually love seeing sometimes people that are a little bit borderline obnoxious, because I think they see something about God that maybe I don't see. That he's better than I think he is. I want to sing like he's victorious. I want to pray like he's already in a position of victory some of us beg it's not about begging it's about believing prayer is not begging god please god please god please god please prayer is believing god you're victorious and if you're victorious i can live victorious because what's true of you is true of me why can you put your shoulders back why can you have confidence in a broken dysfunctional world because my king had victory Watch, and if the Cowboys won the championship, I feel like a winner. Why? Because God made you that way. God knew that your victory was connected to his victory. And if he won, we won. Some would say that the greatest apologetic of Jesus' reality is a couplefold, is that if if you were writing a fictitious book, which many atheists believe the Bible is, if it was a fictitious book, why would you make women who are not even able to to testify in the court of law, why would you make women the ones that found the resurrected body of Jesus first? Why would you allow women to be the hero that they supported the ministry of Jesus financially? That they were the ones that were actually leading the prayer meetings at Mark's mom's house. She had the first church in her living room. Why, if you're writing a fake book, would you make women look good in a day that didn't celebrate women? If you're writing a fake book, why would you make Samaritans who are hated by the Jews heroes in the Bible? Why would you glamorize centurions? Why would you do these things? And maybe the most obnoxious reason to believe that the Bible was was fake is why in the world if Jesus didn't come out of the grave why were all of his followers willing to die the same death? People would die for maybe the truth, but they would not be willing to put their lives on the line for a lie. Dare I say to you the reason why Peter was willing to be crucified upside down, the reason why John was willing to be boiled in oil, the reason why I think Andrew and some of the other disciples were thrown in colosseums in front of lions and tigers like gladiator and literally eaten to death, but they would not deny the reality of Jesus' resurrection because inside of them they knew that if Jesus rose from the grave, so will I. People don't die for lies, they die for truth. And I'm telling you today that this guy, this gospel, is a victorious gospel. And the reason why we'll continue to spread to Orange County and to the corners of this earth is because we serve a king that is victorious. The reason why it's victorious here is because he is a God who offers peace, not just judgment. Listen to me, this is a time of peace. He will come again. Romans 19, 11 says that Jesus will come again. And the next time he comes, he's not riding a donkey. He will be riding a horse. But he's not here to punish humanity. He's here to punish the devil and the fallen angels. Ladies and gentlemen, hell was not created for humanity. It was created for fallen angels and for Lucifer himself. And when he comes again, he's going to be riding this beautiful horse. He's going to have a tattoo on his thigh. Messing some people up. Word of God. His eyes are going to be like fire. His hair, his hair like fire. His eyes, his eyes sparkle. And just he's got this fire in his eyes. And I'm telling you that the trumpet's going to sound. He's going to split the sky in half. And he's going to come in. And listen, to me. when he comes the next time, he's going to come in victorious. This is the hour to make peace with the victorious God people say how could a good God let people go to hell he doesn't let anybody go he doesn't make anyone go to hell he honors their decision to believe or not believe you can live in a kingdom and ignore the victory of the king but I'm telling you right now what good is it to ignore a victory that's there for you Jesus didn't just win his fight he won for us so what's true of him is true of me I don't know who you are today but I believe that God wants you to have a passion for this viral narrative of the good news. Man, why should I be happy this week when life's challenging? God, you're victorious. God, you're my very present help in time of need. God, you're the source of my peace. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.